Planet of Fear, from Doctor Who Annual 1982. The TARDIS landed with a soft scudding sound, and the Doctor walked across to the viewing screen. Yes, I think this should be very interesting, he said. Very interesting indeed. Adric joined him at the screen. Interesting, he said, scanning the view through the screen. It's just a plain old forest-covered planet, surely. What could there be to interest us here? The Doctor still gazed through the screen. All that could be seen was dense, impenetrable forest. As far as the eye could see stood serried ranks of tall, ramrod-straight trees stretching up into the dense canopy of leaves above them, shading the forest floor in a grey-green gloom. What is there to interest us here? the doctor repeated. Let's wait and see. He turned to his array of instruments and read from the computer display panel. We're on the planet Ixos IV, which enjoys a reasonably temperate climate. The whole planet is thickly forested, and though there is little animal life, the atmosphere will sustain some forms of life. But will it sustain us? asked Adric, glancing again at the hostile-looking forest. Yes, nothing to be alarmed about on Ixos IV, said the Doctor, putting his finger on the door control button on the console. Come on, Adric, let's go out and take a look around. They stepped from the TARDIS onto a thick, mattress-like floor of rotting leaves and vegetation. This is a great place, said Adric, looking around with distaste. It smells like a rotting compost heap. He shivered. And it's cold. Hardly surprising, the doctor replied, peering around through the gloomy atmosphere. It would take an extremely powerful sun to penetrate that roof of leaves. He kicked at the thick vegetation beneath his feet. It seems on Ixos IV it's a case of leaves, leaves, and yet more leaves, Adric concluded. So what's of interest here? Somehow I've never thought of you as someone who has an abiding interest in greenery. No, neither have I, said the Doctor, who was still looking around in every direction, almost as if he expected to see something other than the trees. It's just that on my travels I've heard a few interesting tales concerning Ixos IV. I just wanted to see the planet for myself. And what were those tales? Adric asked. Well, it seems that... The Doctor's words were interrupted when Adric gasped in horror and cowered behind the Doctor. Oh no! he cried. Look! Over there! What Adric saw was a huge pair of tapering antennae as they emerged from the gloom. As they came into focus in the diffused light, Adric was able to identify the body of a huge centipede, its brown, shiny body glinting as it moved, snaking through the trees. As the enormous creature came closer and its huge size became more apparent, Adric turned and was about to run for the TARDIS when the Doctor caught his arm and held it firmly. What are you doing? Adric cried. Come on! No, stay here, the Doctor ordered, following Adric's horrified gaze. Stay here and tell me what you can see. Tell you what I can see? Adric cried in a mixture of horror and amazement. He stabbed his finger towards the centipede. 
Nothing much, just a centipede the size of a seven-storey building. A centipede that's heading right for us. Adric made to pull away from the doctor's grasp, but he was held firm. In panic, he wrenched his arm free and started to run back towards the TARDIS, only to stop in his tracks as he approached it. Oh no! There, coating the TARDIS with a thick, mucus slime, was an enormous grey slug glistening wetly in the dark atmosphere. As he watched, horrified, it moved, its soft bulk settling again to completely cover the TARDIS. Adric turned as the Doctor caught up with him. Why on earth did you rush off like that? the Doctor asked. It's just not like you to panic because you see a few insects around. A few insects? said Adric. You call these monsters a few insects? Look, please keep calm, the doctor said. Now, tell me exactly what you can see. I can see a huge slug coating the TARDIS with its filthy slime, said Adric. That's what I can see. It was an effort for him to speak calmly, and his hands clenched and unclenched as he spoke. The Doctor followed Adric's gaze towards the TARDIS, but looked completely unconcerned. A slug? he asked. Adric was losing the little patience he had left. Can't you see it? he cried. It's only ten times the size of the TARDIS. The Doctor shook his head. No, Adric, I can't see it. You can't see it. Adric spoke almost in a whisper. But I can and I want out of here, right now. Adric glanced around and shuddered as more and more huge insects appeared through the trees. He closed his eyes in a mixture of anger and horror. Look around you, he seethed. Can't you see them? Why am I going out of my mind? The doctor stood in front of Adric. No, I can't see them. And no, you're not going out of your mind. You must believe me. There is nothing here to be afraid of. Don't you realise that the things you can see, whatever they are, are really harmless? He waved his hand around airily, dismissively. Don't you realise that they don't really exist? That they are just figments of your imagination? But they're here, cried Adric. They're all around us. Just at that moment, Adric and the Doctor were seized tightly by two pairs of shiny brown pincers. They were held fast in the iron grip of two huge, brown, earwig-like creatures. I suppose you're going to tell me that these things are just figments of my fertile imagination? Adric asked, touching the shiny pincers. No, they're real, all right, the doctor answered. These things do exist. Adric just sighed resignedly. He really must be going out of his mind. Still in the grip of the pincers, Adric and the Doctor were hoisted into the air and carried off through the forest. After a few moments, Adric noticed that the Doctor was concentrating very hard on something, and he opened his mouth to speak. But the Doctor put his finger to his lips. Shh, he said. They're communicating telepathically. The Doctor concentrated on the things he was understanding from the earwig's thought transference. 
then repeated what they were communicating to Adru. They are peaceful creatures and wish us no harm. They ask only that we try to help them. They say that we must remain here in this cavern with them because it is the only place where they can be safe from the creatures that prey on them. The doctor's words were interrupted by Adric. But we're not in a cavern, are we? He looked around at the trees. We're in a forest. The doctor's smile was one of infinite patience. I know that, he said. And you know that. But they don't. This cavern exists only in their imaginations. And these fearsome creatures that attack them from the air and carry them off, I presume some type of vampire bat, also exist solely in their imaginations. Don't you see? No, said Adric. I see only this horrific place. The doctor resumed his concentration as the earwigs communicated further. They say their spacecraft crashed here some years ago, and they haven't been able to repair it because every time they leave the cavern, they're carried off by these bat things that terrorise them. They don't hold out much hope of ever getting off the planet. Then what hope do we have? Lots, the Doctor answered. And the first thing we have to do is to get back to the TARDIS. Our thought transfer to the earwigs and tell them to follow us. After they've put us down, of course. Come on. Soon, the Doctor and Adric were hurrying through the trees, followed by the band of earwigs. For Adric, the short journey was like an endless nightmare, with new terrors at every step. Filigree fine spiders' webs wrapped themselves around his face, and the wingbeats of enormous moths almost knocked him off balance as they swept by in the gloom. Beady, staring insect eyes as big as lorry wheels peered from every direction, and tapering, claw-topped arms and legs clutched at him as he hurried by. The slitherings and scurryings of the insect monsters that surrounded him could be heard from every direction. His progress through the trees would have been faster if it had not been hampered by his instinctive drawing back as each new horror appeared before him. The earwigs suffered as much as Adric. They ducked and scuttled here and there, pressing their glistening bodies flat against the rotting carpet of leaves, as though trying to make themselves invisible to the creatures that pursued them. They cowered for cover, then scurried on past Adric, though he could not see the sky-born monsters that assaulted them. And the Doctor? He walked on purposefully through the trees, quite unconcerned, as though taking a pleasant afternoon stroll. It seemed to Adric that the Doctor really was completely unaware of the horrific creatures that surrounded them. At last, the strange procession reached the TARDIS, which was still covered by the silvery snail trail. But the slug itself had gone, leaving behind it a wide, mucous band that meandered off through the trees. What a relief, said Adric, and hurled himself through the door of the TARDIS, followed closely by the earwigs, who were equally glad to reach safety. The Doctor stood before the control console, speaking almost as if he were talking to himself. 
I've always had my suspicions about this place, he said. Everyone I know who has been here has reported various horrors. Man-eating plants, powerful quicksands, gigantic spiders and the like. Now we have your super-sized forest insects, Adric. Not forgetting those bat things that have been troubling the earwigs. Thing is, they couldn't possibly all exist here on the same planet. And they only appear to certain people. Which is why I told you that they exist only in your imagination. But that slug, the centipede, said Adric, I saw them. No, you only think you did, the doctor corrected. He turned a dial and beckoned Adric to the visual display panel. There are the real inhabitants of planet Ixos IV. Adric looked. The forest was still there. But instead of the monstrous insects that had been there before, there were now hundreds of quite small, grub-like objects. They did not move. Simple creatures with underdeveloped intelligence capabilities, the doctor said. Quite peaceful and quite clever in their own small way. This time it was the earwig's turn to protest. Telepathically. Yes, yes. I know that you lived in fear and trembling over those bat creatures. The doctor nodded as he received their messages. But they only existed in your imaginations. The bat things are all over the planet. And yet, they are nowhere on the planet. Adric frowned as he looked at the grub shapes. I think you'd better explain again, Doctor. The atmosphere of this planet is itself a living, functioning organism the doctor began. And it is an organism that is acutely sensitive to subconscious primal fears. Your giant slugs and insects, Adric, though very real indeed to you, were in fact just images dragged up from the very depths of your own subconscious. You experienced a fear that was probably a very real fear to your ancestors thousands of years ago, when creatures like that did exist somewhere or other. Over the centuries, those fears receded further and further into your inherited memory. But here on Ixos IV, they were dredged up and presented to you as living, breathing horrors. I believe they were there, said Adric, gazing at the screen in wonder. They were so real. I know, said the doctor. The atmosphere on this planet was able to sense your deepest, most primal fears, fears that you didn't even know you had, and present them to your brain as vivid, living pictures, just as it did with our earwig friends here. But why? I thought you said this was a peaceful planet. Simply a matter of defensive tactics. As I said, this is a peace-loving planet that wants to stay that way. The inhabitants want to be left alone, and these terrors that are conjured up for unwanted visitors ensure that Ixos IV is left well and truly undisturbed. But how do we get off the planet? Adric asked. Well, I'll have to formulate a neutralizing attachment, the doctor explained. It will temporarily remove your fears, and the fears of our earwig friends here, and give them time to repair their spacecraft. Then we just leave in the same way that we arrived. Simple, eh?
Within a couple of hours, the attachment was working, and the earwigs, their fears allayed, got to work on their ship. When they were ready to leave the planet, their leader communicated his thanks. The doctor relayed his words to Adric. He thanks us for our help, and says that he will destroy the neutralising attachment as soon as his craft is outside the planet's gravitational pull. So the life here won't be destroyed. No, simply put out of action for a while. The planet will function normally as soon as we're clear of its atmosphere. No need to destroy what is, after all, a harmless, peace-loving planet. I suppose not, Adric conceded. Once we're out of the planet's atmosphere, you probably won't even remember what you saw here, said the Doctor. Those fearful images will recede again into your deep subconscious. Soon, the TARDIS was heading away from Ixos IV. As it cleared the thick canopy of leaves that covered the forest, Adric turned to the Doctor. I've just thought of something. If the atmosphere on Ixos IV reflects the primal fears of everyone who visits the planet, what exactly did you see? The Doctor didn't even turn from the control panel to answer him but Adric thought he detected a slight shudder in the Doctor's shoulders as he answered. That, my dear Adric, he said, would be telling. 